0: We're going to pray a simple prayer this morning as we get started. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're here. Jesus, we thank you that you are our Lord. And that one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus, you are Lord. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. That you live inside of us, that you're here 24-7. And so we're just going to pray that simple prayer. We just say, come Holy Spirit. Just come Holy Spirit. Just come here. Be with us today, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just begin to speak and work in our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. That today we would hear from you. That it wouldn't be human thoughts and human wisdom. But it would be the wisdom from your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in week four of our series, You'll Get Through This, and we're looking at the life of Joseph, all right? And Joseph is one of those interesting guys He got through all these kinds of trouble. We started, you know, four weeks ago, looked at all the trouble that Joseph uh, went through, you know, being thrown in the pit by his brothers, and the brothers wanted him dead, now a slave in Egypt. And, and throughout the whole thing, God was there with them. And that through all the challenges... In the God was with him, and he made a significant impact in the world. And, and in our lives, we're going to experience trouble. You know, see, God never promised us uh, a trouble-free life, right? I mean, sometimes we think, oh, man, as a Christian, everything's supposed to be nice and wonderful, and, and everything's going to be great. We're not going to have any problems. We're not going to suffer. But, you know, in this life, Jesus said, there's going to be tribulation. And, and God never promises us a trouble-free life. But he promises us that he's going to be there with us in all the trouble and he'll get us through anything and everything. And Max Lucado who wrote that book you know, you'll get through this you know, he said this and we keep going back to this it's, you know, the encouragement is this you'll get through this. It won't be painless, it won't be quick but God will use this mess for good. And so in the meantime don't be foolish or naive you know, don't But don't despair either. But with God's help, you really are going to get through this. And one of the great dangers we face when we're going through a real tough situation, right? One of the dangers, and maybe if you're like me, this is a really huge... This is like, I got to be careful because I mess up all the time. But there's this temptation to make a bad situation worse with a poor choice, right? There's this temptation that when the situation gets really bad... You want to just jump in there and do anything, and sometimes we make it worse by making a poor decision. When we were in seminary, my wife and I were in seminary, and um, we decided we we're going to take this prayer retreat. You know, so we got this two for you know two, two nights or one night at this hotel on the Oregon coast, and it was a really nice hotel, and it had like a wood stove in it, and it was late fall, so it was really nice and chilly, it was great, you know, we, you know, we're the only people there eating ice cream, but you gotta eat ice cream when you go to the, the coast, they don't call it the beach, they call it the coast, you know, and so we're at the coast, and I remember once when we were there, and a um, few birds, just like about three birds came, and we thought, man, that's cool, and, and Joe said, don't you feed the birds, and I, and I said, i oh, was gonna feed the birds, just threw one piece of my hot dog or whatever, I just threw it on the ground, And all of a sudden, from across the bay, 4,763 birds, they saw me drop the bread, and it is, you know like the movie, The Birds? I don't know if you saw The Birds, it is, and we we had to run away. See, I told you don't feed the birds, I I didn't know 4,673 birds was going to come. But we were there, and we had this wood stove, and and coming from Hawaii you know you know, you know what is this wood stove right it had really nice instructions it had these dura logs with like these fake logs that you can buy from you know Fred Meyer there but they had all these dura logs there and it has you know the wood stove and it says you know put one log in at a time and in this wood stove right cuz that's what you're supposed to do open the flume and put in that one log and it'll warm up that hotel room that this I don't know what, cabana, whatever it was. And it was really great, right? So, got, got kind of cool that night, and I was kind of getting excited because you didn't get to play with fire, right? And so, put a log in there, and you got to put it in with the wrapper and everything, right? And you light the wrapper, and you, you put it in there. It's like, ah, yeah. And you know, it's like, in about three minutes, the room didn't get warm, you know? And I was thinking, wow, what's wrong? It's supposed to be warm and toasty and, chestnuts roasting over an open fire you know that stuff so I said you know if one log is good I think three logs would be better so I got two more of those door logs and I put it in and all of a sudden fire started to come out of the wood stove and it started to smoke up our, our room and Joe goes oh man man, we're going to get in trouble you know." and so I go outside there's a deck so I go outside our room and I look and there's sparks and fire coming out of our chimney you know and I thought oh no no, we're gonna burn down this place. You know, pray, Lord, please. And and the room really did get warm, though. And and it took like about an and, and you know, when you put three woods, they don't last as long because they're just like burning out of control and the sparks flying. And about thirty-five minutes, the three logs were done. And then I learned my lesson: you put one log, light the thing, and off you go. You know. And uh, I was just so thankful that security didn't come, we didn't burn down our room. I mean, you know, it would have been terrible. A couple from Hawaii burned down a hotel room in Oregon. You know, it would be terrible. But, you know, whether it's something like burning down a hotel room on the coast of Oregon or something more serious, you know, like finding yourself in financial trouble or marital trouble, marriage, you know, you're having marriage troubles or or, or, or you're tempted to cheat and, and get yourself out of something or relational troubles and you're tempted to lie, you know, to to cover up something or whatever, we got to be real careful that we don't take and make a bad situation worse by making a poor choice. And Joseph found himself in a number of challenging situations. And it would have been really, really easy for him to, to just make a poor choice in that bad situation. But the thing you learn about Joseph is this is that he never did allow the enemy, the devil, to bait him into making a poor choice. And we started out by looking how Joseph's brother were fed up, you know, wanted to kill him. Reuben saved him. And and then traveling merchants came by, and they sold him to these merchants who sold him to this guy in Egypt. And he's a slave now, right? And it'd be really easy to get kind of bitter, you know, to feel kind of angry, you know, frustrated and it's like, man, you know what? I us gonna do whatever's, right? Sometimes we're just in a bad situation, we think, let's go do whatever. Right? And we read in, in Genesis 39, verse 1. Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders and was purchased by Potiphar. You know, we talked about that last week, captain of the guards, and 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 Potiphar noticed that that God was with him. You know, that was the one thing that was loud and clear to the people around Joseph that God was with him. And everything Joseph did, no matter he was a slave, it didn't matter. You know, he went through all these hard times. It didn't matter that God was with him. And not only was God with him, God made him successful in everything that he did. And so it says, you know, Potiphar uh, gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he had to worry about anything. See? And what we learned last week was even when we are in trouble, a troubling situation, a challenging situation, we can remember that God is with us. Yahweh Shema, we talked about that last week. God is there. That's who God is. He's the God who's there. And, and he was there with Joseph. And, and he was there and, and things were seemingly going great. And, um, and yet Joseph was, was not a free man, right? He was still a slave Uh, He was in this foreign land. He was far away from his father, his beloved father and and his brothers. But God had significant plans for his life. And this situation came up. And this really critical situation came up that could have totally short-circuited all that God had in store for Joseph. It could have messed him up. And it was like the enemy was waiting for this opportunity, you know, to get Joseph. And in... Genesis 39, verse 6. says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. All right. In other words, you know, Joseph was a stud, is what he's saying there. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she demanded. All right? And he's looking like, hey, here's this guy. You know, he's like the property of my, my husband. But, you know, he's, he looks really good. And, you know, he's just baiting... Um, Joseph to do something he didn't do, you know. And so here's Joseph and he's facing this tempting situation. You know, and, and, and you can imagine you know, all these thoughts and all the enemy whispering into his ear. You know, like, what would be the harm? I mean, after all, he's just a slave, right? All his life, people conspired against him, sold him like a piece of property, used him like a slave. So, you know what I mean? Really, what's the big deal, Right? In fact, you know, I kind of belong to my owner's wife, too. And if she says, you know, I got to obey, right? And, you know, I could, you can imagine all the justification. Hey, you know, just who, you know, why not give in? Who would know? And, and, and Joseph had a decision to make. Verse 8, but Joseph refused. He said, look. "'My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. "'No one here has more authority than I do. "'He has held back nothing from me except you "'because you are his wife. "'How could I do such a wicked thing? "'It would be a great sin against God.'" But, you know, she just kept putting on the pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came there, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, You just come sleep with me now. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her, in, in her hand as he ran from the house. And Joseph, being this man of integrity right, that he was, he, he didn't make this bad situation worse by, by making a bad choice. He took the high road. You know, he took the, uh, he resisted the temptation. He stayed loyal to his owner. Um, you know, he didn't know the ramifications of his decision. And a lot of times we're in a situation, we don't know what the ramifications are for the choices we make. You know, and he didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Uh, he didn't know that the ramifications of what he was going to do or didn't do was going to be huge. And, and, and yet, it wasn't smooth sailing As you read further along in the passage, Joseph got into more trouble. He got thrown into jail even though he was innocent. But even in prison, God was with him. You're going to find out. He was in prison for a number of years. God was with him. And eventually, he elevated Joseph to second in command in all of Egypt. In all of Egypt. And he impacted the world. And you know, if he had messed up there, and if he had made this troubling situation worse by making this poor decision, we don't know what, none of that would have happened. And he wouldn't have gone on to, to save all of Egypt, save his, his father and his family, and really impacted the whole world. And if you find yourself in a pit, if you find yourself in a situation, you know, in this really challenging situation, there are things that we can learn from Joseph's situation and Joseph's life that's going to help us from and keep us from making a poor choice in the midst of a bad, bad, troubling situation. And so, first thing is this. When you find yourself in a challenging situation, don't make things worse by a poor decision. Right, here's the first thing. Keep your focus on God and do your best. Keep doing your best, even if you don't feel like it. All right? I mean, that's so important that... That you're in a bad situation, keep your focus on God and keep doing your very best, you know, even if you don't feel like it. You know, Joseph could, could have easily given in. He could have justified his actions. I mean, he really could have. But he kept his focus, you know. he His focus wasn't on himself. And so often when we're in a tough situation, where's our focus? It's on ourselves. It's on our trouble. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, this is a mess. And we just... And I tend to focus, focus, focus on the situation. And what will help us to not make a poor choice in the midst of that situation is, is keep our focus where it should be. Keep our focus on the Lord. It is so easy to lose your focus and, and really not do your best in a tough situation, right? You're at work, right? It's like, man, you know what? The boss, he's a jerk. You know? So, you know what? I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to do the bare minimum, you know, and then sometimes we get passive aggressive, right? Right, and we do all these things, and, and why should we even think about loving others when no one seems to care about me, you know, and we get all these thoughts and poor us and all this kind of stuff, and like Joseph, you got to remember who you're living for, who you're working for, you know, that you got to remember that you're living Not for your boss. You're not working for your boss. You're there because God put you there. You're working for Him. And you got to keep your focus on Him. That that no matter how bad a situation is, that God's going to be there. You know? And the situation, it might not be painless. It might not be quick. But really, don't make things worse by being foolish and naive and making a bad choice. But keep your focus on God. You know, don't make that situation worse by making a rash decision you know how often do we just like and just make this a bad decision I can't tell you how many bad decisions I made when I was under stress in a tough situation or whatever I made like a ton of terrible decisions and you know what it just makes things worse you know I mean I'm if you all were there you would think the same thing I did man one log is great. Three logs, even better. Right? I mean, we would have done that. Who knows? We don't know, like, fireplaces and all that, right? I and mean, they give us a whole bunch, and they're all complimentary. Just use them all, and let's keep throwing them in there. My chin-in. Would, we would put, like, three, four logs in that thing, right? Man, you know, it was like, oh, that's how the fire felt for Shadrach. You know, it was like, it was like <laughs> yeah. See? But don't make it worse. Keep your focus on God. Second thing is stay alert and guard against the temptation to make a poor choice. It's gonna come. You're gonna be tempted to make a poor choice. Do you think Joseph wasn't tempted? I don't. I think he was. You know? And he and was all day long. And you gotta stay alert and guard against temptation that's what the enemy does this is constantly constantly you know like you know you you're in financial trouble you're gonna hear all the time you're never gonna get out of this you know your credit card debt. Gonna, they're gonna come and get you You're gonna lose everything you know and you're gonna hear this day that you try to go to sleep you're gonna hear all this and first Peter 5 says this stay alert stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. When you're in a challenging situation, you've got to stay alert. You've got to understand that you are going to come under attack and it's going to come in the form of temptation. Right? I mean, you think back on all the tough situations you were in. Weren't you tempted maybe to do something that maybe you wouldn't have done or you wouldn't even think about doing if you weren't under that stress? You know? And and when you're in that situation, you know you you gotta stay alert because you're gonna be tempted to make a poor choice. Because the enemy knows that God has something great in store for your life. And all we're focused on is not what God is gonna do, we're just focused on our situation. And we think, man, it ain't gonna just gonna do this. And if you're like me and you don't like to just wait around, you wanna make something happen, right? And you do that all the time, whether it be a bad situation or a good sui- situation, right? When you're young, or you're like me, right? You, you're your teacher, you know, you're, you're planting bean sprouts on, on napkins, right, at school, and the bean sprout grows on a napkin, and then pretty soon everybody's bean sprouts grow, and then you grab them all, and then you put them in a pot, and you eat it for lunch. You guys never did that in school? See, that's the trouble with education these days. They don't have bean sprouts. <laughs> but you see, my bean sprout didn't grow because mine had mold on it because I kept watering it. Because I thought if a little water helps, you just put more water to soak that thing. You know, bean sprouts didn't know about hydroponics back then. And my thing just got moldy and my thing didn't grow. But, you know, it was a mess. And I continually do stuff like that, you know. Just making just like, man, I got to make something happen. You know, and that's why, you know, fishing is rough for me. You know, it's like I'm thinking when I'm fishing, I'm thinking, like, I mean, if I go to Tomashiro Market, there's like a whole hunk of fish there. You know, I don't even got a fish, but a fish, you just waiting, you know, just waiting for the fish. It's like, you just go diving, at least you can hunt the fish, right? And you just got to make things happen. And, and when you're in a bad situation, that's like the worst thing we can do sometimes. And you got to stay alert. You got to stay alert. Because the enemy's there waiting for you to make a mistake. But not only we we stay alert, then you got to stand firm, First Peter says, you got to stand firm. you got to stand firm, keep your, f- keep your focus, and you got to resist that temptation. See, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be painless. It's not going to be quick. You know, don't do anything foolish or naive, but don't despair either because God's going to get you through this. So you got to stand firm sometimes. And there are times in a troubling situation, it's going to be a mess. But Jesus is going to have to stay alert. You're going to have to stand firm and say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I don't know how I'm getting out of this. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't even want to go to work tomorrow. But I'm just going to trust you. Joseph didn't give in. He stood firm. He kept his folks. He, didn't, he, he resisted the temptation. He ignored the temptation. as basic. He politely refused. I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. And he refused any advances. But when the situation Got just dangerous, right? In the end, he had to he had to run away. And, and standing firm is not just staying there and hanging in there physically. Standing firm is all about not wavering in your commitment to God. You know, that's something Joseph never did. He stood firm in his commitment to the Lord. And 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 even when it meant like, you know what, it's dangerous here, I gotta dig. He dug out because he stood firm, and his commitment to the Lord. Standing firm means that there're gonna be times where you know what you just gotta take yourself out of that situation. If you're just getting tempted and you just you know you're just you're getting weak, you gotta leave. You know that the smartest thing to do when things get really rough sometimes is just to remove yourself in that situation, right? If if you know you're there and your coworker is just really bugging the snot out of you right and it's just worse today and just going at it and and you know you're just you you're just ready right you just say okay you know what paul and you're just gonna you're just gonna just you know you're, gonna, yeah, you're just gonna do something you shouldn't do the best thing to do is you gotta leave you know you just say something really like nice. excuse me i don't want to punch your face i'm leaving and you just go no don't say that but you gotta right i mean because you know it's tempting or, or, or if you're in a, like, Joseph's situation, or you're just thinking, man, you know, you're tough day at work, and you want to medicate yourself, and you want to say, you know what, I'm just going to get drunk, right? I mean, don't go where you normally go to get something with your, your friends after work, you know? You, you just go another way. You go down the road, like, by Kailua, where all the churches are there, this whole church, you, can, you know, do something, but you got to remove yourself from the situation. You know, you don't tempt yourself. You know, that's part of standing firm. That you don't go anywhere that where you'll be tempted to make a bad situation worse. Because the Bible says, First Peter says, you got to stand firm. What do you stand firm in? Not in who you are, not in your willpower, not in how strong you are. You stand firm in the Lord. That's what Joseph did. He said, I can't do this. This would be a great sin against God. You know? You know, I, I know you, you know, I, Mrs. Potiphar, you look great. You know, you, you look like Jane Seymour. And, you know, I, I just kind of always dug Jane Seymour. You know, but can't do this. My man, no, can't do this. And you got to dig. You got to stand firm. Being in a challenging situation is hard. Being in a pit is bad enough, but don't make it worse by making a bad or poor choice, you know. A simple lesson we can learn from Joseph's life as he encountered these troubles and this temptation to make a poor choice is just simply this. Just do what pleases God, yeah. You know, just do what pleases God. You know, there are times when I just don't know what, I'm, 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 Frustrated, I'm angry, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I'm whatever. And, you know, when you make a choice to please God, you know, everything falls into place. You know, when you're being tempted, you immediately think, well, what can I do that would please God? I know, I know, I'm going to call Mark. I'm going to call him up and say, hey, Mark, let's go to Aloha Cones and get, you know, like spicy poke Pokeballs. Because, you know, that's like the best place ever, Aloha Cones. So let's go there. That's something God, that might be something that would be pleasing to God. You know, take Mark. Hey, Mark, let's go. And you go that. You know what? That's so much better than getting tempted to do something stupid. Right? But, but, but really, when you're tempted to make a poor choice, all you got to remember is just do what pleases God. Do something that you know is going to make God smile. Just do that. Psalm 4, 5 says this. Do what is right as a what? As a sacrifice to the Lord. He sometimes, you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to like it. But, but do what is right as a sacrifice to the Lord. And then just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. When you're in trouble, if you're in a troubling situation, a tough situation now, nah, you know, do what is right. As a sacrifice to the Lord, and just trust God and see what God's gonna do. Just see how God's gonna take you out of that pit because God's gonna. It might not be quick, it might not be painless, you know, but if you don't do anything foolish or naive and you don't despair, God's gonna get you through this because He will be right there with you. There was this man named Thomas Dorsey, and he was the son of a Baptist pastor. He was a pianist. His, you know, the father was a great pianist and a pastor. And, and so Thomas grew up just loving music, grew up playing the piano. As long as he can remember, he just loved music. And he was a whiz, you know. And in his teen years, he began playing music in jazz clubs in, in Philadelphia and Chicago. And, and as he was just loving what he was doing, Something, somewhere along the way, he kind of forgot about his faith, you know, kind of forgot about his faith. That's easy to do, right? Just so, you know, you're so excited about something that you kind of forget about God, you know. And that's why for me, you know, football, not a big deal no more. You know, 49ers, NFL, I mean, who cares, right? I mean, I'm not even looking forward to the season coming up. I might not even play fantasy football this year. Because there's more to life than just football. Especially when you know your team's not going to do so great. But anyway, Thomas forgot about his faith. He began to turn away from the convictions of his youth. And he started to mess up. He was enjoying playing in these jazz clubs and all this. And he was getting really good. But he was messing up. And one day, his relative, one of his relatives urged him, says, You know, Thomas, you've got to come back to the Lord you got to come back to the Lord. You know, you're heading down the wrong path. And praise God, Thomas did. At age 21, he decided, you know what? I'm making a bad mistake. And he turned back and he experienced God's presence and he just changed his life. You know, he just said, God, I'm here for you. And he just sensed God's pleasure in his life, poured his energy into really making some God-honoring music, and God was with him. And things were going great. And at age 26, he got married to this wonderful woman, and, and it was just, you know, going really great. He was just so happy. He, he founded this, he began this publishing company. He founded the National Convention of Gospel Choirs. You know, he got to work with some of the greatest singers in the history of gospel music, and he was just having a great life. Things were going good, enjoying the blessings of God, had a happy marriage, you know, had this thriving ministry. It was awesome. And, and you know what else? His first child was on the way, you know. His first, I mean, it's like a great time in his life. And, and he was just enjoying it. And one night after a concert, you know, Thomas receives a telegram. And the telegram just simply read, your wife has just died and she had passed away during childbirth. He rushed home and he got there. They couldn't save his newborn son and his life went from just wonderful, great to he just was in this pit of sadness and grief. He lost everything. Wife, son, <clears throat> and uh, overcoming grief, he he said, no, I don't want to see people. I don't want to be with people. Just avoided people. Got angry at God. And he had said that, I just wanted to get back to the jazz world. man. in all this, he said, I just want to get back to it. I just want to go back and just start doing the clubs. And I want to just do that. He said, I felt God had done me a great injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore. Right? Can you blame him? You know. And there he was. And then one day a friend, good friend, went to get him and said, Thomas, you come be with me. Took him to a music school. Thomas sat down at this piano and he just began to play. And he began to play and he began to pray. And he just began to pour out his heart to God. You know. That 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 even when it was at its roughest and he was in that pit he didn't make a bad situation worse and he was tempted and he was worn down but as he sat at that piano he just sang this he sang precious Lord take my hand lead me on let me stand I'm tired I am weak you know I am worn Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. And you know what? As he sat there and he prayed that, God did take his hand. And God did be with him in that storm. And God did lead him home. And for the rest of his life, for the rest of his life, Thomas Dorsey testified that the Lord had healed him on that very night as he sat at that piano. And he went on to pen more than 3,000 songs. And he became one of the most influential Christian songwriters of all time. And all because in that time of trouble, he didn't make a tough situation worse by making a poor choice. You know, that he kept his focus. That he stayed alert and said, God, I just need you. And he stood firm in his faith. And he reached out to God. And God reached out to him. And I feel like the Lord is saying to all of us, do the same. Do the same. That, that in challenging times, you're going to be tempted. That shortcuts... They're going to lure you. Temptation is going to call to you. But don't be foolish. Don't be naive. Do what pleases God. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't make a challenging situation worse. Don't make it worse with a poor choice. And God promises that He's going to be there because He's Yahweh Shema. That He's going to be there and you'll get through this. You will get through this. Because God is there. You see, that's what we can learn from our friend Joseph. And if you're in a tough situation right now, I really strongly believe God is saying, encouraging you, just calling out to you, don't make it worse. Don't make it worse. Don't, don't, if it's just one love, don't put two more. Don't do anything stupid. You know, but just trust me. Just stay alert. Don't give in to temptation. You know, stand firm. Just keep calling out to me, and I'm going to be there. You know? It might not be quick. It might not be painless. Ask Thomas Dorsey about that. But you're going to get through this. God's going to be there with you. He's not going to allow a hotel room on the Oregon coast at the Embarcadero be burned down because of your, you know, whatever. He's going to be there with you. He's going to be there. Why don't you stand with me pray? You know, the, the coolest thing is this, that, you know, people around you might not know what you're going through. You might be all smiley on the outside. You might be crushed on the inside. You know, but it doesn't matter because God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. And I think right now, let's just call out to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I need your help. It is rough. Or you might know somebody who's going through a really hard time and how God used friends in Thomas's life and other people's lives. And maybe God's going to use you as that friend to just draw that friend you know, to the Lord. But let's just pray. And, and, you know, you know where you are with the Lord. And just quietly between you and the Lord say, God, I need help. Man, it's rough. You know, I'm tempted to do something stupid. Will you just help me now? Just pray. Just quietly pray. And then maybe for some of you, it's like, you know, I kind of get it now. that, That Jesus wants to make my crummy life better. That he wants to be there that he's, I want Him to be there in my life. And you've never made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. And that's where it starts. And maybe today, that's for you, is to say, you know what, Jesus? I need you. Will you be my Savior? But I just believe that you died on that cross for me. For what I'm going through right now, that you died for me. That I can be reconnected with my Father in Heaven that I accept your sacrifice for my sin. Just come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. Help me not to make poor choices in the midst of troubling situations. Just do that. Father, we thank you that, that you're there, that you're Yahweh Shema, the God who is there. That even if we find ourselves in a pit or we're in a really tough situation, that you're going to get us through it. That you're going to be there right there with us. And I pray this week that we would feel your presence in a way we've never felt before. And that you will grab us by the hand and you'll get us through this this week. That this will be a week of breakthroughs. So I thank you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless. And uh, if you need prayer, come up. I'd love to pray with you. God bless. Have a great week.